Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 464. Make sure you leave your mark in this world before your pen runs out of ink. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. I'll never worry again about having a dead battery with my NOCO Genius Boost Jump Starter. This compact tool fits in my glove box and features rechargeable lithium battery technology that'll jumpstart a dead battery in my car, boat, truck, or RV. The Genius Boost features built-in spark-proof technology and reverse polarity protection to safely jumpstart any of my vehicles. The compact, ergonomically designed clamps are built from solid copper for maximum conductivity. There's a built-in ultrabite dual LED flashlight with seven modes, including an SOS and emergency strobe. I use my Genius Boost Jump Starter to charge my phone, tablet, and laptop while I'm on the road or if the power goes out in my home. The unit itself is easily rechargeable in my vehicle. The Genius Boost from NOCO is the ultimate emergency tool that's safe and easy to use. Quality design, state-of-the-art technology from NOCO, the battery car source since 1914. I've got one in each of my vehicles. Get yours at GeniusChargers.com. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Tony Perella. Tony, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet I am. All right. Great to have you here. Tony Perella is the owner of Sports Car Vintage Racing Association, or otherwise known as SVRA. After 30 years of success in the telecommunications industry, he shifted his career focus to his true passion, auto racing. He raced dirt ovals as a young man, and today, Tony focuses on vintage racing. Since his acquisition of SVRA, Tony has transformed it from a club racing group into a full-fledged business with national platform. In 2016, the SVRA will present 16 race weekends at all the major American road courses, including Sebring, Coda, Sonoma, and the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Tony, I've told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your career and, of course, your passion for automobiles and racing? Sure. First of all, thanks for having me on the show. You're welcome. You know, most of my life was spent in uh, telecommunications, and, and it was a I've had a wonderful journey in, in the 30 years. I took was fortunate enough to be involved with taking two companies public. My last venture, I bought a company on a bankruptcy and ultimately sold it to a Fortune 150 company. But the, probably the neatest part of that was that uh, we made the best place to work, top 100 companies to work for on Fortune Magazine four years in a row. So I had a wow. tremendous team. But all through that, I can honestly say I love the people I work with, but I never loved what I did for a living. To say that I got excited, man, you know, selling telephones or network services, honestly, it was a, a means to the end, so to speak. But growing up, I had a fascination with cars and, and racing, and it just life got in the way of that and didn't really <laughs> allow me to pursue it. Sure. But uh, here I found myself in my 50s after selling my last business, and I really had places that I never dreamed I'd have, and I went vintage racing, 
And that's when I got exposed to uh, SVRA. And, you know, as the saying goes, I was so impressed about the company. (laughs) Very nice. Well, this is a wonderful story, and it's very fitting for the profile of my guests here at Cars. Yeah, and that is people who've taken their passion for cars and wrapped their vocation or careers or lives into that. So I'm very, very happy to have you here. I used to race vintage cars. I'm very aware of SVRA and what you've done with that organization has really been spectacular. And I think it's a a real testament and a target for other clubs around the country to take a look at and how to notch it up a level. So we're going to learn a little bit more about that. But as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote. This is some kind of saying that's been instrumental in forming your life and your success. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on cars. Yeah, I know you love to drive, so take the wheel. Uh, well, there's, I guess uh, I'll use two of my role models. One quote from my mother. Can I use two quotes? One from my mother, one from my father. Yeah. My mother's was simply, uh, make sure you leave your mark in this world before your pen runs out of ink. And <laughs> that's a translation to uh, not leave anything on the table each day. Yeah. And, and I've, I have absolutely tried to live by that. And for my dad was such a company man. He worked for a power company for 38 years in upstate New York and so loved this company. And, and at some point, maybe we'll, I can explain what that bond was about. But the, his mantra forever was, if you take care of the company, the company will take care of you. And when I first went out to the workforce or work world, <laughs> that's not exactly what I saw. Yeah, it sure is in some nowadays, especially. Yeah, and, but as my career unfolded, that really stayed with me, and I've tried to lead whatever business I was running by that mantra. And it's, uh, it has served me well, and I think it's served the people I've worked with well. So there's been a, it's, it's been a, a, and I use the word journey a lot, but it, it really has been a, an amazing journey from my early days as a young boy, having two parents that really supported me. It both had a profound effect on shaping shaping my life, that's for sure. Wow, it's marvelous. Two great quotes. I love your mom's quote about leaving your mark on this world and making a difference in people's lives, which uh, I know you've done with the businesses you've built and what you're doing now. And, of course, your dad's quote uh, is so timely. And as we mentioned, or as I mentioned, sometimes uh, that old mantra doesn't hold true these days, unfortunately. But... Uh, I still think it's a very, very nice way to go through life and and treat your career and your business. And we'll learn a little bit more about that, I think, as we move on. But I'd love for you to share a story with me that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment as you look back in your life, maybe when you're a young boy, when you really knew that you were a car guy? I, you know, as far back as I can remember, as a real young kid collecting Hot Wheels or matchbox cars or building models that built hundreds and hundreds of uh, models over the years. I was uh, intrigued with cars and I was exposed. My dad was a pretty fair backyard mechanic. So we didn't, we didn't pay for too much to get fixed. He, he taught me how to pretty much fix anything that broke and whether it was the washing machine or rebuilding a carburetor or a transmission on a tractor, we, we found a way to take care of it ourselves. And that, that really has stuck with me all my life. I still, to this day, 
Uh, I've restored many cars when I go racing. My favorite time to go racing is when I do my own car prep, tow the car myself, and really do a more old-school way of vintage racing rather than have a support team take care of it. And I, yeah. I fly in and then race. And, and with 16 races and running this company, I'm, I'm doing more of that than I am old-school style. But I, to this day, I still try to do a couple events a year where I do my own prep and wrench all weekend and, and just between sessions and just enjoy the setup part as much as the racing part. But to answer the question, I have had a love affair with cars since my earliest recollection. Uh, I raced as a young kid. Uh, my parents actually had a sign for me to race before I had a formal driver's license. I was racing amateur dirt cars. Wow. And, you know, but again, uh, I was had aspirations to race in the Indy 500. That was going to be my life mission. But got married pretty young and learned that uh, you know you had responsibilities to buy end tables and curtains and food, <laughs> yeah, carburetor tires and those kind of things. Those so, things. <laughs> yeah, you know, life, life got in the way, but that I was privileged enough through the years. I did a little bit of drag racing, built uh, several cars, and my real passion was to race side-by-side on an oval racing, but, you know, I I missed that window. Late in life, at 50 years old, I I bought a 1958 road racing Corvette that had always been a race car uh, as part of one of my collections and decided to see where I could race it and literally Googled vintage racing. That was my exposure to it and learned of a club in Texas called C-Bar, Mm-hmm. and uh, went and got a license and uh, started racing in the following year. I raced up at Watkins Glen for an SVRA event, and uh, as I say, the rest is history. But it's uh, cars have always been an important part of my life. My kid's life, I've restored so vintage Corvettes in my lifetime. I dragged my kids cross-country looking for the right part to make sure we had numbers matching everything, and... Uh, you know, I had a pretty extensive collection at one time of Corvettes and, and Harleys. And I just, uh, you know, I don't think that'll ever change. To, you know, when, that, when they put me in the ground, I'll still be, five minutes before they do that, I'll still be looking at the newest uh, car to, to get them That out. left foot will be dropping the clutch. So, <laughs> very cool. Yeah. Tony, I would love to take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and Talk a bit about a huge challenge or even better, a great failure that you faced along the way in your career. Might have something to do with racing as well, but the most important part of this has to do with how did you overcome that particular situation and what did it teach you? Well, I think out of the gate, I was born with uh, fingers missing on both hands and toes missing on one foot and went through 48 surgeries as a young boy. And I think the you know, the mantra that I mentioned from my dad, if you take care of the company, the company will take care of you. He was, my surgery all took place in Montreal, Canada, yet my parents and, and I lived in Syracuse, New York, 300 miles away. So my dad, I can honestly say, never missed a day that I was in the hospital. And it would not be uncommon. We'd, we'd do two or three surgeries in a year, and each surgery would be there for 10, 12 days and wow. at that time. And my dad only in those, you know, 40 years, 50 years ago, only got a week's vacation. Yet somehow his company 
managed to allow him to be there and, and he never got documented a pay. But yet I can also tell you my dad was responsible for emergency call-outs. And through his 38 years working there, he never turned down a call. I don't care if he was sick. I don't care if it was Christmas Day. Again, that mantra, if you take care of the company, he felt so obligated mm-hmm. because of the, you know, the luxury of being able to support his son. He viewed a, a great sense of uh, loyalty to them. They didn't really follow the HR manual for my dad. So I guess you could say my physical challenges really would be something that, that go on to become a pretty fair mechanic in my own right. Yeah. And you can have the life I've had, I guess I could have used that as, but I, at this stage in my life, I don't feel what I was born with as, as much of a challenge. Maybe as a young boy I did, but today I don't. Yeah. And I, I actually view it as a blessing. The adversity that, and the lessons learned of overcoming that adversity, I think helped prepare me for life. And I frankly wouldn't trade at this stage of the game with anybody. And it certainly is, fuel the passion for trying to get back to the community because we we received help outside of what my parents could do mm-hmm. to get me through those surgeries. And I, I feel the rest of my life should be dedicated to giving back to the community in some way. Wow. Well, what an inspirational story. And I really appreciate you sharing a very personal story with us. But uh, most of all, a very inspirational story. Wow. Very, very nice. I love that. Thank you. Let's shift gears here and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment, a time when those headlights come on and illuminate your way for a new idea or this new direction that you had. And tell us the steps you took to turn your aha moment into a success. Well, I've had several, frankly, through the years. I'll keep this one with with SVRA, given given we're most interested in cars. Yeah. it, uh, true story, when I sold my last company, I was uh, I found myself, what am I going to do next for the first time in my life? I had uh, several opportunities to go back to work, but I didn't want to sell on just anything. I wanted to do something I truly loved. And you're, I, at the time, I decided to go through a special program at Harvard Business School. It's, it's a sort of an executive MBA program. Mm-hmm. And in that program, I was offered the opportunity to present our next idea. And I actually presented two. One idea was to buy a company out of bankruptcy that is a well-known company that was over a billion dollars in your company. And uh, I actually ended up doing that with some investors and they bought it and I would be the CEO. Mm-hmm. The other opportunity was to buy SVRA. And, you know, I had had a couple of races with SVRA and I thought that it could become a national footprint, a national uh, racing organization that could be at someday mentioned as part of mainstream motorsports, much the way NHRA or IndyCar or NASCAR is. And, you know, for the most part, many people have never even heard of, of vintage racing, let alone attended a race. So that was a pretty lofty goal. So I presented two ideas at Harvard, and they basically evaluated those ideas on three principles. One, was, one principle was what was the macroeconomics of the space you were in? So in the, in the billion-dollar company, it was a well-established industry, well-established company. 
they gave that very high marks. When I presented vintage racing as an industry, it really didn't have a platform of profitability. It was mostly run by nonprofit clubs. And the only, you know, there was a select group with the Bonneray or the Hawk or something like that, but there really wasn't a track for successful vintage racing organizations. So on a macro front, SVRA got, too bad idea, got failing grade. The next principle was the microeconomics. Well, when you looked at the billion-dollar company just coming out of bankruptcy with no debt, a revitalized business plan, reloaded with, with investors, it was a very easy path to success. The microeconomics got a very high rating. When you looked at SVRA's financials at that point, it was, frankly, being propped up by the previous owner. You could argue it was insolvent. At that time, it got very bad grades again. Mm-hmm. And so then the third and final chapter that they evaluated this on was your business changes in theory of what you would implement in your plan to make the venture successful. In the case of the billion-dollar company, uh, it was really a pretty much a straight down the fairway, nothing new, just by restructuring all of its debt. It was sure to be successful. When you looked at SVRA, I said, well, we'll – We'll grow to a national footprint. We'll hold a race at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. We'll build a a national championship at the Circuit of the Americas. We'll get a platform and we'll get such big scale that will attract luxury brands and the luxury brand sponsorship will enable us to scale to get consumers involved and excited and raise awareness of the sport. And one of the professors called that delusional. (laughs) (laughs) I went 0 for 3 from a credibility or believability or a rating on SVRA, and I went three for three on the billion-dollar companies. So I graduated from Harvard, and the following week I uh, closed on the deal by SVRA because I've <laughs> always been contrarian to uh, conventional, conventional thinking. But I, I will tell you, here we are. Three years later, September will be four years later, and uh, you know pretty much everything I said would happen has the uh, the business is doing very very well. We are we clearly have a national footprint. We have a national championship at Coda. We've held two races already at Indianapolis, which are signature race. Uh, mm-hmm. We've expanded nationally. We've attracted some of the most high-end, well-known uh, luxury sponsors to SVRA, like Jaguar, Land Rover, Zenith Watch, et cetera. And I think we're just beginning. Yeah. And, and it, the, the cool part is this is just the start, but uh, it is nothing like it was uh, three and a half years ago. So I'm very excited with what we've accomplished. Oh, fantastic. What a great story. I love it. So much for that old professor. Huh, get back to your classroom. <laughs> very cool. How about proudest career moments? Is there one in particular that stands out for you that you'd like to share? Yeah, I think I think for me, the first time we made the best company to work for in America on Fortune magazine, that's a there's only a hundred companies that make that every year, and they're the who's who of, of prominent companies in America. And I think that closed the loop for me. It, you know, the recognition of that. For, from a plaque standpoint or look what we did isn't that important to me. 
but the acknowledgement that we must have gotten it right for the eyes of the employees, because that award is award is based on the feedback. You know, seventy five percent of that award is based on the feedback from your employees yeah. in anonymous sixty four question surveys. And we had at the time I had sixteen hundred employees the first time we made it. Wow! And uh, it was uh, to me that was a a way for the for me to say that yeah we finally uh, we've achieved if you take care of the company the company will take care of you through yeah. the eyes of the employees not through the eyes of the management team and interestingly enough there even small companies that the criteria for the big big list the top 100 you have to have over a thousand employees you have to um, be a certain scale in, in revenue, but you can apply for the top 25 small companies in America to work for. And SVRA will, uh, we will, we'll actually file an application for the first time this May. Nice. And uh, we, I'm a firm believer in it. And it, it, what I've learned is when you have that kind of culture, the customer experience is always always good and 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 i want to be proud of the way we treat our employees but i also want to be proud of the way our employees treat our customers absolutely great story let's have a little bit of fun here what was your first really special car and maybe you could share a memory you have with that vehicle a 1967 gto (laughs) cool fantastic Fantastic car. I could not. I hopped it up and I could not keep a rear end in that car. It saved me. I followed like five of them in <laughs> and went through a whole lot of tires. But I sure loved that car. I mean, I absolutely loved that car and put a ridiculous amount of money for that day and age into that car. But that was my baby. Um, but again, that was one of those situations when I went to school. That was a luxury, and uh, I had to go to, to help pay some bills, and uh, I sold that car. But I think that will forever be one of my favorite cars. For yeah, sure. old goat, wonderful old cars. And and is that your seller's remorse story? Is that the car you let go that you really wish you had back? Um, I would say, no, actually, that car, all right. My first restoration was a 1959 Corvette Inca Silver 283 twin four-barrel carburetors. Absolutely love the car. My oldest daughter went everywhere with me in that car. I don't know how many car shows we went to together. And um, years ago, I sold it. In in hindsight, that was maybe one of the dumbest things I've ever done. But uh, I did sell it in in a weak moment. And if I could have one back, that's that's a do-over I'd like to get simply because of the memories of what I got to enjoy with my oldest daughter. Yep. It's just, I can't replace that. I understand. And really for uh, the past 463 guests now here on Cars, yeah, I hear that story over and over again. It isn't so much the car, it's the memories that we have in these vehicles with family members and friends. So I understand completely. Now, how about current projects? Uh, when we talk about SVRA, what's happening this year that really has you excited and fired up? Well, in, a, in about uh, 10 days, we were going to have the host, not this weekend, but next weekend, we'll be hosting the Amelia Island Vintage Grand Prix, which is held on Fernandina Beach Airport. We'll build a, a makeshift airport speedway, and um, we will have 
for the first time in SVRA's history, not only vintage cars spanning uh, nine different race groups, but we'll also have vintage motorcycles and we will have vintage airplanes. One of the runways will remain open and fans can literally come to our event, watch the races for the weekend, watch the motorcycle and car races, but also have an opportunity to go up in a in vintage aircraft. I mean, I, I'm bringing my three grandkids in and I'm going to take my oldest grandson up in a 1938 open cockpit plane. We're going to have a pilot take us up during that event and to fly over the race, you know, over the racetrack and on over the island. I just think it's going to be a fabulous experience. We're expecting a huge crowd and, um, um, so that's our that's a new event to our schedule. We just completed last weekend a fabulous race at Sebring where we celebrated the 50th anniversary of Trans Am. Mm-hmm. I had uh, a very special panel there, including Bob Tullius, who won the very first Trans Am race at Sebring in 1966. He was our grand marshal. Was fabulous. We had. We had some household names like Lynn St. James, Willie T. Ribs, Jack Baldwin. Tom Yeager won the first championship in 66 for Ford. He was on the panel. We had George Former won the 72 championship for Trans Am, but also was a Can-Am champion as well. And uh, it just made for a fabulous, fabulous weekend. We had 30 authentic historic Trans Am cars, cars at Penske, Donahue, Carnelli Jones, George Fuller, uh, Sam Posey, and more uh, raced uh, back in the day. All those original cars were there racing. And it just, uh, we had contemporary Trans Am with us. We had uh, international GT Porsche Everbridge. We had over 300 and 20 race cars and the fan turnout and weather was amazing and it just what a great way to kick off the east coast season oh yeah i mean honestly if i look at my schedule i, I can't help it. every week i get excited we got sonoma where we'll have uh gold medallion deal and we're, we're celebrating the 50th anniversary of trans am on the west coast with can-am and if you look at indy we do our pro-am which is a fabulous deal with mid ohio we have the National Shelby Convention uh, joining us for that event. We're up at Road America. We do our Coronado race. We, Watkins Glen has just been repaid. We, is, is always one of my favorite events. Uh, VIR, I mean, it just goes on. And of course, the National Championship, I, call it, I, I could go on forever. It just, every week, it's something really cool. And, and that's, what, that's what makes it so awesome in the fact that I can be privileged enough to have my kids and my grandkids involved in it. It's just, um, wow. I'm, I'm, I'm living a dream as they say. You are living a dream for sure. Tony, what a fantastic year you got ahead of you. Congratulations. Now here's a very introspective question for you. If Tony was a car, if you were a car, what kind of car would you be and why? Whew. Um, I think if you asked me that in my early days, I would have been a Corvette. Mm-hmm. And I love the style and I love the speed. And, and I like to think I, I go, go pretty hard, like to go fast. So I would say that's my personality. At, in my 50s, 
I think I'm more like a today's Jaguar, not just because we're one of my major sponsors. That certainly contributes to that. But um, I think this, you know, with age, the styling uh, would fit me more as a Jaguar than a, than a Corvette. <laughs> Still fast as hell, but maybe a little smoother ride than when I was a young man. So I would say uh, today I'd, I'd be a Jag. There you go. Very nice answer. I like it. So, Tony, up next is the last lap, but before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Hey, Cars Yeah listeners, I have a question. What's the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior? It's with a car cover. I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. It's the fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft is the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers, and they are crafted to fit like a custom suit, with over 80,000 patterns available. And they're made in the USA. But Covercraft is much more than car covers. Their vehicle protection system protects your cars, motorcycles, watercrafts, and RVs, exteriors from the elements, and the interiors from the wear and tear of daily life. Car covers, front end masks, dash covers, seat covers, floor mats, and much, much more. Covercraft offers you a full array of custom accessories made specifically for and styled to complement and protect your special vehicle. Covercraft is the right choice. I use them on all my vehicles, and your special vehicles will love them too. Learn more today at Covercraft.com. And you can get free shipping when you use the code at checkout, CARSYEAH. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimble.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Okay, Tony, we are back and we're entering the last lap. You're a racer. You know what this means. The white flag is out. Time to put our foot into it. And I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick Lips of the throttle answers. So you ready? Yes. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? Enjoy what you drive. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you share one of your personal habits that you believe has helped contribute to your success over the years? I would say the most golden rule, the most simple thing in life is treat people how you would want to be treated. Yes. I, I really, truly try to live by that. Yeah, absolutely. Now, how about a resource? I know there's a lot of great resources out there, but is there one in particular you think the Car Shadow listeners would really enjoy that you like? I think from a resource standpoint, to to learn about learn about the cars, go to a vintage race, even if it's not an SBRA race, which mm-hmm. I hope you do go to one of ours, but go to a vintage race, take the kid with you, and get up and close and experience what vintage racing is about. The big difference between going to a vintage race and a professional race is accessibility to the paddocks. Yep. And, you know, when we hold an event at Indy or Sonoma or no, wherever, we, you know, we have 
in some cases we'll have as many as four or five hundred different race cars spanning the century. And we give out, a lot of our races will have uh, hero cards on each car. So a kid can go through the paddocks and collect a trading card on each car to learn. And there's some small facts about the car and the owner in the back of the car and the photo of the car in the front. And it's a great way to learn about the automotive history of race cars and just uh, expose tomorrow's fans to racing. So I guess as a, I would say use vintage racing as a resource to learn about cars. Oh yeah, it's awesome. I took my son to so many vintage races as a kid and I can't tell you how many cool cars he got to sit in where the driver would say, sure, hop in son. And he'd throw a helmet on and sit there with a big smile on his face. We've got just uh, dozens of pictures of him sitting in just about every kind of vintage race car there is. I love the card idea. That's really cool. How about a book? Is there a book that you've read in the past you think our listeners would enjoy reading as well? I'm a huge collector of biographies. I probably have a personal collection of over a thousand biographies. Oh my gosh. I'm a, I, don't, I don't read anything but biographies. You know, it's hard to pick one. There's been so many books that I've read that inspired me in some way, shape, or other. But probably Brian Wilson, the Beach Boy founder, mm-hmm. lead singer, his biography, I felt his pain probably more than any biography I've ever read. Mm, yeah. Um, but I guess, you know, years ago I read it, but it, it to this day stuck with me. Uh, there's been several, but I guess that's the one that comes to mind. So I'll go with it. Yeah, great one. Thank you for that. Well, listeners, I'll remind you, you can find links to all these great resources Tony shared with us at carsyacom slash Tony Perella. All right, Tony, we are up to the checkered flag, and this last question can be a real doozy. If you could have only one collector car, and I'll include collector race car, if that's the case, a vintage race car, in your garage, but you can't sell this and buy a bunch of other cars. That little trick's off the table, but money's no object. Today, I'm going to buy you any car in the world. What would that one vehicle be and why? I already have it. You are? You're one of those lucky guys. <laughs> I have. It's, it's certainly financially, there's cars that are worth more. The good news is the second Corvette I restored was a 1963 split window coupe. And uh, it's a Top flight, Bloomington Gold, Daytona Blue, beautiful Corvette. And I've had it for over 25 years, and my grandsons and granddaughters have ridden in it, and that will, that one I won't sell, ever sell. So I already have it, and there's several other cars I have passion for. I do have a pretty thick collection of cars, race cars and, and show cars, but um that's, I already got the one I have to have. Well, lucky guy. You've saved me a few coins today, too. I appreciate that. Well, Tony, you've taken me on an awesome ride around the track today. I knew you would, and I really enjoyed your stories. And I want to thank you for sharing your journey with the Cars Yeah listeners and with me, and with me today. Could you give us one parting piece of guidance before you drive off down the racetrack in that 63 split window Corvette? More than anything, work at something you're passionate about. If uh, you do that, the money side or the success side will surely come. If I could do anything over again, I would, at this stage of my life, I would have gotten involved in something I was passionate about earlier. That's uh, the, I guess, the, if there's any wisdom in anything I say, that's the one I would give you. 
Great advice. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about SVRA today? Well, one way for sure is to, uh, we have a very active social media site with our Facebook page and our YouTube channel or Instagram. But uh, probably the simplest way to get see all of that and then some is go to our website at uh, com. It, uh, pretty comprehensive site, everything from car setup rules to our events to results. There's always a new section that we're putting out. And um, we also have our own quarterly magazine, Vintage Racing Quarterly, that really takes an in-depth look at our events, gives a destination feedback. It's called Vintage Racing Quarterly. You can get information on our magazine on our website as well. There you go. Well, listeners, again, you can find links to all these great places that Tony shared with us at his very own show notes page on carsyeah.com. Just type Tony in the search bar and his page will pop right up. Tony, thanks for taking some time out today off the track and spend it with me, with the Cars Yeah listeners, and for being so generous with your time and expertise. Until we talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thanks for having me on. I really, really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.